Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, March 16, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He is social distancing at his home. I'm social distancing at my home. Norlander, how's your social distancing going so far? Uh, I did have to step out of the house today. Both my wife and I both had to leave the house. Um, dog had Over no for you. Over for you. It's I hope not. Dog had no food, so called ahead. Pet Choice Supply said we uh, we need some food. They had it waiting uh, there at the counter. I will say this: so I, I park, walk in. Pet stores only got like three people in it, but one woman's like she's kind of getting like three, four feet away. I'm like, oh, did we not get the memo? <laughs> and I'm like just trying to like you know just be like I'm walking in. Care, I'm I'm very uh, aware of of where I am. You know, six six to eight foot buffer. And she's like, you know, she's she's practically making a beeline for me. I'm like, whoa, I'm not I'm not ready for this. It. Uh, but um, but that ideally went well. I did. I went, got the dog food, came home, and I, you don't know who's touched. You don't know. So I I sprayed it down with Lysol, and then I washed my hands, washed my face immediately, and and there we have it. Um, my wife got into n- nothing. Uh, Nothing terrible. It was just a, a fender bender. But she got into a car accident about two and a half weeks ago, uh, driving uh, with my our four year old, and so that wound up being a case where the like at first she thought there was no damage to the car, and um, but then there was a little bit of damage underneath the bumper, so she had to bring it in. It's a lease. She had to bring it in uh, to Subaru, and so we've had a rental, f- uh, a free rental. New car smell. It's been awesome. Sirius XM. We've been bumping it. It's been great. Are you kidding me? Lithium channel. I'm a subscriber. Coffee house. Subscriber? They've got a fish station channel 29. I was rocking it out. It was awesome. Beatles channel. My, I was, what was, I'll tell you one thing real quick. My four-year-old in the past, like two to three months, I don't know. I think I might've played him like Boston or Zeppelin on classic rock terrestrial radio in my car, which is uh, like over a decade old. So I don't have satellite. And, uh, I said, this is a loud guitar song. And ever since then, he's like, like I played him. I want to say like Love Me Do was on the Beatles channel. And he was like, Dad, I want the loud guitar song. I was like, hell yeah, you do, son. Absolutely, yeah, you do. So we, so he's been all about that. That's been a really cool, uh, a cool little fun thing. But anyway, she had to return that rental uh, back to the car dealership, pick up her car. And, and she said that the dealership was like, listen, when you come here, the car has been detailed. It will have been completely cleaned. Don't worry about it whatsoever. Uh, said that the the person uh, that gave her back her car keys, uh, handed her the keys with like a, a Clorox wipe around the keys uh, when he did it and like put the keys on the seat before and then stepped away. So it's, you know, from afar, I guess it can seem kind of extreme, but this is the whole point of doing the social distancing, okay? And just, you know, keeping yourself physically, just to try and, and curb the curb the spread and the scatter of coronavirus. So uh, we are certainly adjusting. Uh, no four-year-old at pre-K has been, there There was an extreme, extreme double meltdown with my children today. And it was one of those things where I was like, if you could have just beamed in a video inside of my house and, and our situation as parents right there, because we actually tried to do learning time. Like, all right, Carter, try and, try and write the number four and five and six. And he just bailed out another one-year-old we're not doing with that obviously at this point so it's uh it's been good but it's early uh let's check in with each other gp about uh seven ten days from now let alone three weeks see where we're all at as a society Dude, we scheduled to do this podcast at eight fifteen eastern and at like eight seventeen eastern or maybe a little before that i don't know i text message you and i said give me a couple of minutes i'm i'm refing a toddler fight I mean, it, it has been wild. Think about <laughs> me. At least you're used to being home. Yeah. I haven't been home for four months, basically. And I'm only here for like two days at a time, maybe three. And so suddenly I'm home. I went from absentee father living in New York, talking about basketball every day, to stay-at-home daddy. Like, like I, both my little ones out of school, right? And so my, my little ones are six and three. And so I'm I'm at home with them all day today, and everything is just a fist fight. Oh, everything, it, everything, everything is a fight. It, it's I, I'll take coronavirus as is because I recognize there's nothing we can do about it. Like we're dealing with this pandemic, but you got to get rid of the rain. Like we've had rain 
and coronavirus. Oh, you have. Oh, we've been the oh. app. We've just been. We actually we've been lucky in the Northeast. It's been a little chilly the past two days, GP. But we've actually had like sunny and like mid to high fifties. So we've been able to actually get out of the house uh, quite a bit. You know, for like four out of the past six days. No, we can't go outside. It's been raining basically nonstop for two, three days. And so we're cooped up in our house, and we've got some room to move around in our home. But, like, it's just every night for the past three nights, it has reached the point where I looked at my wife and I said, which one do you want? And I'm taking the other one upstairs. Like, we cannot have them next to each other anymore because they love each other and they're just playing. I know. But everything turns into a fight. Everything. Like, when I texted you, hey, I'm refing a fight right now. Um, I didn't even me- respond because I knew what you're doing because I've done it as well. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I, Lou, my little dude, who's dude just turned three, he wanted to make microwave popcorn. All right. So, uh, Oliver, my six year old, hadn't even thought of popcorn. All right, but suddenly he wants to do it. Of course. Now they're fighting to see who gets to put the bag of microwave popcorn <laughs> yeah, in the microwave. That's, that's the fight. All right. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> Screaming. I'm like, li- I, I, li- listen, we we both we'll, we'll both do it. Lou, you can make your own popcorn, and then Oliver, you can make your pop. I want to go first. I want to go. Okay, listen. Oliver, in fairness to Lou, he was here first. This was his idea. So Lou's going to go first. We're going to cook his popcorn, and then we're going to cook yours. I finally get that settled. And it's not really settled as much as I just put my foot down. They're not really agreeing with me, but it's just like I decided this is the way it's going to be. Cook Lou's popcorn. Pour it in a red bowl. Take Oliver. Cook his popcorn. Pour it in a green bowl. I want the red bowl. Now we're fighting over bowls. They both got bowls of popcorn. Everything should be fine. Now we're fighting over which bowl you get red or green and it doesn't matter which one is actually the better one because there's not even it's just like if if lou wants red oliver wants the red Mm. if if oliver wants the red lou wants the red i swear to god i could walk outside right now grab a stick out of my yard come inside and i could say louie this is your stick i want you to have this within 20 seconds oliver be trying to take it from him and it would be a fight I couldn't just go get Oliver the, the exact same stick from outside. He wants Lou's stick, and that has been going on every minute that they've been awake for the past three days. Like, I'm close to texting my bosses at CBS Sports Network and being like, listen, you have got to get me on some bull riding sideline reporting duty or something. I don't know if I'm built for this. I don't know if I'm built for for family quarantine. You <laughs> are tough, you are not. I can I already know the answer to that you're not built for that whatsoever, but this is now your life. What you wouldn't give to be previewing a first four game between two 16 seeds out of the 29th and 31st ranked conferences. It's just not where we're at, man. I'm with you uh, with all that. And then as, as a parent, side note before we get into the hoops here, I'm also like, I can't afford to have you kids do something idiotic and I got to try and bring you to the ER. We can't be walking into a hospital right now. Okay, they don't have room for you and I'm not walking into that kind of environment there. So it's even more so I'm like, keeping the peace they're mostly pretty good but occasionally this they're four and one and the one-year-old he's relentless man he's got this underbite and he just starts hitting people on the head for no reason man Dodge, going after our our 13 pound pup lana just he loves to he loves to pull her tail and she, she's starting to get feisty too she's she's like don't you don't you dare they're like there's a r- real rivalry developing within my household and it's march 16th oh this is march we shouldn't even be home. We shouldn't even be home. That's the thing. And now we're at home, like trying to break up fights. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Yesterday in my home, my little dudes both ended up with busted lips and busted noses uh, in four four separate incidents. It wasn't like they busted their nose and lips at the same time, or four separate. It was four separate fights that led to four to two busted noses. And two busted lips. Like, everything is a, a fight. And my little dude, it's funny to watch him because, if, if you can picture it, Lou is about half the size of Oliver. Like, like really, like, if you stand them next to each other, about half the size. And Lou will just walk up and punch him right in his face as hard as he can. He's just constantly trying to get his licks in. And Oliver always wins. But Lou can hurt him. Like, Lou can win round one. Now, Oliver's always going to get a second round, third round knockout. But Lou is – and then Lou breaks down. It, it cries. But then he's ready to go again. It's, and this is nonstop all day long, nonstop. Like last night, 
I finally get them both upstairs because I'm trying to give my wife just some free time. And it's like, Dad, can we throw the Nerf football? Of course we can throw the Nerf football. Let's throw it. And, it, 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 and you just know, like, this is going to end badly. I don't know why, but it's going to end badly. And, of course, it ends up with Oliver throwing it from four feet away as hard as he can right at loose eyeball. And, and that's another disaster. Thank God for Mario Kart. That's the only thing we got going for us that actually gets people calmed down and sitting on the couch. We've been playing a lot of Mario Kart around here, but, man, this is these are weird times. It's one thing when you can take your kids to the park, take your kids to the Children's Museum, take your kids even outside. We have been trapped in this house for the most part for three straight days, and, whew, yeah, it's rough get, stuff, man. Get, uh, get good weather soon so you can get outside. Real quick, since you just brought it up, um, what's, what console are you playing Mario Kart, and who's your go-to? Uh, Nintendo Switch. Okay. And I just I just use Mario. I see. I see, I'm, I'm playing with a six year and a three year. I smoke them all day long. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. All right. I'm a no. Oliver. Kind of knows what he's doing. Lou, it's so sweet. He always thinks he's winning, even when he's not. He's like in twelfth place, a lap <laughs> behind. It. He's like, Dad, am I winning? I'm like, Son, you've never won. You have never won. You are so awful at this game. But I'm like, but in real life, I go, Of course you're winning, buddy. You always win. You're doing great. So we've uh, we've played a lot of Mario Kart. We've watched a lot of Frozen. I've seen Descendants three, probably three times the past three days. We get the Disney Plus subscription, get worn out. It's it's a, it's a hell of a deal. I and like it. this is our lives for the foreseeable future. Yeah, uh, you know. But again, we're going to basketball here real quickly. I promise. But you know, just to tie this back to sports, once the CDC announces on Sunday night that they are recommending no gatherings of 50 or more people for eight weeks. Eight weeks from last night, Sunday night, is May 10th. Opening day has been pushed back in Major League Baseball two two months. Um, we have no idea when we're going to get the NBA back. Like, we are going to have no sports and basically be reduced to staying at our home as a family outside of necessary work for, it appears, I don't know Dr. Fauci said today we'll reevaluate everything every 15 days. But like President Trump, and you can take it for what it's worth, and it might be worth nothing, but he was talking about July or August before we get back to normal. I don't know if that's excessive, um, but I do know it's it's poss- it seems possible. So these are like actually unprecedented times. We constantly talk about, man, isn't this crazy? Like we're talking about things that happen in this world. Man, isn't that yeah. nuts? This really is crazy yes. because this is the thing that is impacting all of our lives. Some more than others. Like if you're a bartender, a, a waiter, your life is being impacted more than my life right now. But all of our lives are changing um, in very real ways, and it's just been it's been it's been fascinating to to experience. And and, and while recognizing um, it is just getting started. Yeah. On that note, uh, <laughs> I have heard just through different people interviewed on television different ways, like sports coaches, general people. They're like, in my whole life, I can't remember anything ever like this. Yeah, that's right. You can't. None of us can because we've never lived through this before. Like that, that is the, that is now the, you got to get 68 teams into the tournament somehow quote of all quotes across the news every single day. Like, yeah, we get it. I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. No, you haven't. I haven't. We all haven't. We've never seen anything like this. Literally, it's never happened with this kind of virus and this kind of, in this kind of society that we have now, this is drastically different from uh, the the flu of the 1900s, the, the teens of the 1900s. It's uh, it's just as scary in many ways as that one was, but uh, in many ways we're more prepared. I think we're more learned. We're more uh, ready to to adapt. But uh, but yeah, GP, I wrote something similar. I, th- I think it was in maybe in the Player of the Year stuff I had somewhere. I wrote it on the site somewhere. I just can't remember where. Where I was like, you sometimes hear. Um, players or coaches say uh, we've never had a season like this before but it was actually true it was uniquely true this season we had never had a season like this ever in college basketball and um you know i did think it was important earlier today if you watch the press conference at the white house um all of the messages are now on the same page um you know up until today honestly the message we were getting out of the White House was vastly different than the message we were getting um, from the medical officials, even the medical officials working hand in hand with the White House. You know, the president would once say one thing and then the medical officials would say something else or the president would tweet one thing and then the medical officials would would say something else. Today, um, it, it seemed pretty clear in the past 24 hours that 
somebody had convinced President Trump like this. You, you got to stop downplaying this. You got to stop, um, you know, making or at least suggesting to people that this isn't a big deal. It is a very big deal. And so he had a different demeanor and tone on um, Monday afternoon. And that's, I think, really important because you can think whatever you want to think about the president. I'm not here to, 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 to you know, argue politics with anybody, but um, he he is a powerful voice. And that's how he got elected. Um, the, the, a significant portion of our population um, listens to him and swears by him. And for several weeks now, he had been, you know, downplaying what was happening in our country against the advice of of medical officials. And I do think on some level that leads to some of the scenes we saw this past weekend, bars in downtown Nashville overrun with people, the beaches down in Florida filled up as if we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and ultimately it leads to cities like New York city. You can't go to a restaurant right now. You can't go to a bar right now. I mean, it's crazy in LA. Same thing all over this country starting to happen. I got a friend in Memphis who owns multiple restaurants. They're not under order to close them yet, but he's closing his voluntarily, uh, a, because he thinks it's best and B to set an example because he is a pretty prominent, uh, Memphian. His name's Kelly English. And so when you combine all of that with the president's words today in, in, um, um, in, uh, in a, um, you know, that, that were coordinated with the medical officials, Every, everybody's message seemed similar today. This is bad. This is going to get worse. This is serious. I do think perhaps for the first time, um, most of us understand how serious this is. I don't think it was true last Wednesday, last Thursday, last Friday, based on the images from around our country and bars and restaurants and beaches, um, casinos over the weekend. I don't think it was true this weekend. I think it's starting to be true now. In other words, I had somebody I know who has a child around our children's age. They had a birthday party this weekend. And I told them, you know, they called, hey, you guys coming to the birthday party? I said, eh, no, we're not. Like, what are you doing? You shouldn't even be having a birthday party. And, and I, I said, listen, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you to listen to the doctors who are telling you what to do. And you're being irresponsible with this birthday party. We're not going to be there. I don't think people will have birthday parties next weekend. I guess that's my point. So, uh, we, we are catching on slowly, slowly, but hopefully surely. Yeah, and for those, you know, obviously so many of you that are uh, still craving, like, just, you know, you were hoping, expecting to have not just games, but podcasts, like, we're still here. We're not going away. We'll we'll be podcasting. We'll be around in March. So if this isn't, like, the next pod, and then we're taking two, three weeks off, we'll have another one later this week as well. So whatever news in the sport, um, you know, commands us to talk about stuff, we'll talk about it. We've gone... Jeez, 18 minutes here without even getting to uh, the subjects of the pod. But I think it was all. I actually think it might have been therapeutic for us to talk about that. I had. It's just been me. It's been us with our kids and our wives, and so it's it's good to be back with you, GP. But uh, but yeah, I hear you on all that. Okay, what do you want to start with here? Because we got we got a, a, a bit of a uh, an interesting headline, and then obviously our All American teams. Where do you want to get going here? Yeah, well, so Selection Sunday has come and gone, right? There was no selection show. There was no official bracket. Um, and, and I guess that's the biggest news of the weekend that Dan Gavitt, the NCAA senior vice president of basketball, you know, announced Sunday afternoon that there would be no bracket because he had sort of with you, I believe, yes. earlier in the week um, left. It left the door open at least a little bit uh, for the possibility of that bracket. And it got people, some people you know, fired up. Woohoo. We oh. might really get a bracket. Um, a lot of people, some, yeah, a lot of people fired up, GP. If I may, fired, right. if I may, just real quick, I, as before you kind of lay out, hey, I want to bring a little bit of context into how that story even came about because the reason why I was talking to Gavit was for the story that ran on CBSSports.com today on Monday, just to kind of get and I talked with a few other folks that were in the selection committee room, just to get a, a kind of a sense of like, okay, for about a, a forty to forty-four hour period, <clears throat> what was it like to be in there knowing that the tournament was it, it was going to vanish, uh, but there were stages of that. So that that was the story that I was going to write, and I eventually did, and I encourage you to go read it and uh, really get a good sense and learn some new stuff about what was going on in New York City and Indianapolis. But in talking to Gavitt, um, he offered up two pieces of information that I wasn't anticipating, one being something he also shared with the Associated Press, and that uh, 
Gavin himself, after Rudy Gobert um, tested positive for coronavirus, thought that they were in a real race against time, and he had to try and salvage this tournament at any in any way possible, and he was going to have a 16-team tournament over five days in Atlanta at State Farm Arena in what would have started three days from now. That was one major headline. The other one was we were talking about a bunch of stuff, and I was like, yeah, it's just – it's." Uh, I think it's a bummer in that you got these schools like Rutgers, Dayton not being able to be a see itself maybe on a one line, San Diego State maybe on a two line, Penn State almost never gets there, you have Florida State's best season. Um, and I think, you know, those schools were looking forward to, you know, having some sort of closure. And that's when Dan offered to me, he's like, just so you know, like, it's not likely, but the, the idea is not yet dead. So when he tells me that, I think, okay, that's obviously a headline. That's obviously a story. And it did take off significantly. The logistics of it would have been difficult, not impossible, Parrish. And it was interesting when I tweeted that story, how many uh, – Parrish, it had been a long time since I had tweeted something and, uh, GP, I'm, t- I'm telling you – polar opposite reactions by countless amount of people that were so, so, so in favor and so, so, so against. So we ultimately get to a place on Sunday where they say, okay, um, it's not going to happen. Um, and I know, like I was saying, some people were disappointed by this, um, but not doing a bracket for a tournament that's never going to be played, it, it, it made sense to me. I agree with you. Um, there are some people who act like, well, you couldn't do it. Well, of course you could. Jerry Palm could do one. Joe Lenardi could do one. Of course you could do one. If you wanted to do one, it would be done in a way no other bracket had been done with a season cut short. But you could have just relied on the data available. Hey, this is this is what's available to us. Let every conference name its automatic bid. And now we'll fill out the bracket to the best of our ability based on the results that we have available to us. You could have done it, but it made sense to me. For them not to do it. Do you agree that probably the right thing to do is just to not do it? Yes. Even when Gavitt told me that it was the idea wasn't dead yet, he basically uh, he was on his way out of New York when I talked to him, flying back to Indianapolis, and really needed a day or two to think about it and then talk with the selection committee because the selection committee would have needed to agree to do it even if Gavitt, who had the authority to say yes or no, and ultimately it, he did come to. Uh, maybe fittingly, if not sadly, on what would have been Selection Sunday, definitively and officially saying we're not going to have one. Um, if it was to be done, it just if people were wondering how it would be done, here's what you actually would have needed to have happened. Uh, and I think um, this kind of stuff actually is, played a small part, but was also like you have 10 different committee members in 10 different spots. They got to deal with their schools and their conferences, right? So they got to deal with a lot of coronavirus stuff related to begin with. So then you're like, okay, well, the absolute soonest that you could probably do this and still have it be tactful like once all of the business on their home fronts is taken care of it's like two and a half weeks minimum okay so then you think well it's not that you can't do a bracket then like you still could do one it's just a little bit after the season maybe it's it's a slow uh news period and i actually think that college basketball and and the committee actually it might have been a as much of a they might have been criticized as much as they would have been praised because it would have been again an official document but you would have also needed Parish, like, because when you consider the software they used, uh, these people, you know, very smart, bright, intelligent uh, administrators, they're not going about installing this stuff on their own computer. Like, they have to have to ship out laptops or have an IT person come to their house. They'd have to sit there and through uh, telecommunications for a day or two, maybe three, like, actually go through the, if they wanted a real bracket. They'd have to go through the real process. So they'd have to put teams into the tournament. Then you'd, they'd have to decide who the automatic qualifiers are. Like, you could do it, but I think on a, on a you know, in, in terms of, like, the practicality of doing it, it would have probably been a, a little bit of a logistical headache. And then when you've got – I'm just picturing, like, Kevin White, the Duke athletic director, just, like, sitting in his, ha- sitting in his office for, like, nine straight hours with a ham sandwich, like, being, like – all right, do I want to put BYU on the sixth line right now? Like, it, actually, it's an amazing vision to me, and it would have been really cool to have an official documentation and acknowledgement of all the teams that get, got in all their seasons. I think it would have been a great way to put a final positive spin on such a uniquely uh, unavoidable reasonable, practical, appropriate, but nonetheless depressing end to a season. I don't disagree with the decision. I don't find it to have been impossible. Uh, And if we had gotten to like early May and we had gotten it, I thought that would have been cool. But the season ends uh, with just, you know, 
the guillotine on, on top of the head of the collective college basketball season, and there we are. But I thought Gavitt's statement was lengthy and took a lot of thought and consideration into it. Last thing I'll say on this particular thing, GP, is the people that build that tournament, I'm talking from David Warlock to Dan Gavitt, Joanne Scott, the selection committee members, they care so deeply about the event. It's not all, I understand how much money the NCAA gets from having the tournament. I get all that, and it's a significant deal because it funds every other college sport, essentially, okay? They care so much about the tournament. I think if there was a way that they could have done a bracket, gotten it done, been largely free of criticism and not had it come a bit again what's a national health crisis they would have done it but because of that and because you had conference tournaments that didn't finish and there's just weird gray area even though every conference I learned this from Gavitt every conference has to by rule have a situation in place where if you cannot finish your tournament you have to be able to name your AQ, it could be the highest remaining seed, it could be the number one seed, whatever it is, every conference is required to have that. So you could have still put in all those AQs because they're required by the rule book, but I understand why they didn't, and um, it would have been cool 20, 30 years after the fact to have that, but we won't have it, and I don't fault Gavit for his decision at all. Yeah, the reason to do it, in addition to, man, people really wanted to see it, is for practical purposes, it, it, it could mean something. Like, you understand, and I was just thinking about this, perhaps selfishly, and it's a, such a small thing, but it's something that popped into my head. We will now have to talk about um, history, streaks, and those types of things in a certain context that yeah. we wouldn't have to talk about before. In other words, it'll be like, um, you know, um, Mark Few has made twenty-one has made the NCAA tournament in 21 straight years. Well, it's not technically true. You know, it'll be like 21 been straight in, tournaments. Yeah. He's been in well, like next year Gonzaga makes it. So Gonzaga's been in 22 consecutive tournaments <laughs> when the tournaments have been played. I mean, you just got to like have these little yeah. extra words that everybody will understand, um but it does change the way you talk about it, change the way you write about it. Um it, it it stinks for a school like Rutgers. If we can assume for a second that Rutgers would have been in the tournament. Like right now, you you say, you know, Rutgers hasn't been in the NCAA tournament since 1991. And that was about to not be a thing anymore. You know, Steve Peichel's never taken Rutgers to the tournament. That was about to not be a thing anymore. And so that stinks because you, everybody knows Rutgers was much improved. Steve doing a great job. Rutgers was probably going to the NCAA tournament. But still... If we're heading into March next year and you're talking about Rutgers, you'll be in their own the bubble. It'll be like, ah, is Rutgers going to get to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1991? Yeah. It's a conversation you wouldn't otherwise be having. For a school like Dayton, you know, it is a source of pride to be able to say we were a one seed in the NCAA tournament this particular year. Um, they're not going to have that now. Um, that's unfortunate. But I guess I'd bottom line it this way. Um, all of those things suck but not nearly as much as it sucks for Kansas to not even have an opportunity to go win a championship um, in a tournament that they were going to be favored to win. Like if, if we are already at a place where the best teams in the country that might never be this good again in certain situations like Dayton, San Diego State, maybe even Baylor, um, if we're already at a place where those schools can't, have a their real run at a national championship or a final four either of which would be a banner literally a banner raising thing then Rutgers missing out on being able to say it has been to the NCAA tournament since 1991 relatively speaking I think is a is a smaller thing it would have been and but for the coaches and particularly the players to have had the ability to have that kind of moment would have been uh it is, they can't already. They already can't play in the tournament. I think. I actually think that the country collectively has done a pretty good job at accepting the situation that every single person is in, in this country. And so, from the sports angle, I think there was you know initial uh, maybe disbelief is not even the right word, but I think we're accepting it qu quicker than than we even might have anticipated. And 
just not not to even get like uh, I can't even see where we would have been. And I get it. Like some people say, why would you do this? Like why would you put the bracket out there and then have everybody thinking? Well, okay, so you think like oh, it's a big T. So what? Like it's it's re- is it really that much more of a tease than if you go to Jerry Palm and check out what he's got? Like that, to me, that argument falls uh, a little bit shallow there. To have given the players the opportunity to truly celebrate something. Again, it would have been from the committee. It would have been an, an official bracket. It would have been a documentation of the season. And it, and I don't know. Wait, listen, if I'm Dayton and I get that, why would I not hang a one-seed banner in the rafters? You know, we weren't able to make a, ch- a chance to go win a national title or go to a Final Four. But hell yeah, tw- 29-2 win a one-seed. I'm hanging that. I'm hanging that without a doubt at Obi Toppin Arena. That is unquestionably happening. So they're, they're robbed of that. I will say this. Um... One really fun thing that has come about uh, because we haven't had the tournament, and I, I, this kind of just popped in my head, um, all of these schools, there was there was an NC State student, Max Gorin. I remembered Max. I told him I'd give you a shout out on the pod, and he's got some good love and some good run, and I think the Athletic did a story on him, deservingly so, NC State freshman, who was a listener to the pod. So shouts to you. He made a One Shining Moment video. I saw you tweeted as well. And then... All of the schools that have access to like pro shot video and and broadcast stuff of of their games are making individual one shining moments. I don't know if all you know approximately seventy two to seventy four like schools that were really in the hunt have made it at this point. I've seen at least thirty. That's been awesome to see, and it's again just trying to make uh trying to make a little bit of lemonade there, and even. You tweeted this out too late on Sunday, GP. I don't know how they did this, but BYU Mark Pope, the coach, tweeted out a video. It was late, so I saw it. I watched it. I didn't think too much about it, but it it, it sounds like our buddy Seth Davis shouts. Seth, we know you're listening. Greg Gumbel and Clark Kellogg. Oh, I, re- I really really hope Greg Gumbel listens to the pod. Someone can please can we get this uh, podcast in Greg Gumbel's ears? It sounds like from their own homes they made. I would bet against that, by the way. What's up? I would bet against. I know, whatever. Sounds good. Um, but they GP. It sounds like they they did the the thing on their phone and they just did a quick like if BYU was in the tournament kind of deal. That was awesome so it's just those tiny victories on social media i've seen from teams and from coaches again you know what many of these schools ended their season with a win let's celebrate what we did instead of being sad about what we won't get that's been a, a you know sure silver lining kind of thing but it's been awesome to see in the past 48 hours should dayton raise a banner 2020 sports line projected national champion they should we had simulation sunday we told you about that on the previous pod i hope you watched we had a good time with it um dayton should raise a banner for that and there's other stuff we'll get to with the flyers momentarily here on the pod but why not we'd be honored and uh the people at dayton are really really good uh that work with that program (laughs) that would be (laughs) that would actually be incredible i'm not going to bank on it but our our sports line simulation did put the flyers as the 2020 champs with a one-point win over Gonzaga, that would have been the two best offensive teams in college basketball in terms of points per possession this year. That's according to Synergy. That would have been awesome. But, yes, um, that kind of stuff that you hit on GP, it's just ah, – it would have been so incredible. Who knows what have gotten the, who would have gotten the Final Four. But if, like, if we would have gotten to cover Dayton in a Final Four, that would have been awesome. The reactions to the simulation are the funniest to me. I think we need <laughs> to do our next podcast – explaining to people exactly what a simulation is because they appear to have a good portion of America, probably the ones that think coronavirus is just like the flu, probably the same people have no idea what a simulation is. These folks were arguing with me. Like they, I, I can, you can, you can go into like do a Twitter search for my name. And there are people like, yeah, well go back and check Gary Parish's brackets from the past he never knows what he's talking about. And it's like, these are sports lines simulations. They're not Gary Parrish's picks. What are you talking about? And do you know, by the way, how many times they simulated these games? It wasn't one time. Was it like a thousand times, 10,000 times? Usually when you run a simulation, if you want, it's usually about in that 10,000 ballpark. But with this particular bracket, I did, I don't know. I actually didn't come across exactly how many times they did it. But, but let's say it's 10,000. Yeah. If you have a dumb friend out there, please explain this to him when you get a chance, if you're listening. Because I know nobody listening is dumb, but, I, but you probably got dumb friends, just like I got dumb friends. Um, explain this to them. When you simulate something 10,000 times, the likelihood of the quote-unquote better team winning is very, very, very high. When you play that game one time in a 40-minute game, 
then you have a little more wiggle room, a lot more a wiggle lot room. A lot more wiggle room, yes. For for possible quote unquote upsets. But when you simulate it ten thousand times, the better team is likely to advance in the bracket. So if you tweeted me at any point in the past three days and say, Oh, this bracket ain't real because there's no twelve five upset, you don't understand what a simulation is. If you said, Oh, it just looks like a lot of chalk, you don't understand what a simulation is. <laughs> My mentions have been on fire with m- 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 not nothing but, but certainly mostly, I say this with all due respect, morons. Absolute morons. <laughs> it's the same old song, GP. I don't know what to tell you. It's every oh, morons and Kentucky fans. And, and, and they're not necessarily all the same, but like nobody is more more fed up with Jerry Palm's bracket and sports line simulations than Kentucky fans. They are arguing that they would have never lost to anybody and also arguing they would have never been seated there. Under any circumstances, nothing that happened in that bracket is real life to a Kentucky fan. They had uh, GP, uh, GP, JP, JP had UK as the, if, if memory serves, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, UK was the four in the South, I think. Or was it was it the South? Because they it was Kansas, Kentucky in the Sweet Sixteen, and Tim Doyle was joking about that on HQ about you can hear Cal already griping about having to play Kansas in the in the Sweet Sixteen if they were to get there. But yeah, I, I whatever. Like, do they were fired up? I mean, in my mentions. Yeah, I mean, this is the most ridiculous just, thing I've ever it's seen. It's actually like, hilarious no. that people are getting this fired up over truly a fake bracket and a simulation. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I I I will hand it to Kentucky fans. Nobody else could get this fired up, angry, like legit, like we're in a national health pan. We're in a national emergency, a coronavirus pandemic. Our entire country is changing before our eyes. We're about to go into a recession. My 401k has taken an incredible hit, probably yours too. And yet you're out there fired up about Jerry Palm bracket and sports line simulations. It is wild. They were so mad, so mad. Bless you. Well, I will say, Kentucky, Kentucky itself gave us some love, and I think Kentucky fans, we got a little bit of goodwill back because our All-American teams, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Freshman of the Year awards came out on uh, on Monday, and so the CBS Sports National Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Freshman of the Year have all been named uh, the All-American teams too. Let's start with the national uh, awards. Player of the Year, Obi Toppin from Dayton. Freshman of the Year, Vernon Carey from Duke. Coach of the Year, Anthony Grant. From Dayton, Norlander, did that reflect your ballot? I honestly don't know the answer to this question. Uh, it did reflect my ballot. Did it reflect reflect your ballot? No, it did. You, had, did. you did not have top it, so you didn't have top and player of the year, carry freshman of the year, and Grant coach of the year. Oh, I had two of those. Okay. I had Obi Toppin as player of the year. By the way, I'll just be transparent here. We we, we had to submit three names for player of the year, yeah. three names for freshman yes. of the year, three names for coach of the year. Player of the year, I had in this order. Okay, Obi Toppin one. Yep. Yudoka Azabuki, number two. Mm-hmm. Luca Garza, number three. We had the same exact one, two, and three on our ballots. How about that? Okay, freshman of the year. I by had... the way, hold on. By the way, you think Kentucky fans are mad? Uh, the Iowa fans are coming down the road for us, okay? Is that true? The, oh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> the the Luca army is, yes, the Garza gang is ready for a, a rumble. So just... Be prepared, but you and I are in agreement. Top and one, there, Doke two, Garza three. There, there used cover. to be this Iowa fan that would tweet me every day about how I had Iowa ranked too low in the top 25 and one. And it, he wouldn't just do it when I tweeted the top 25 and one. I could tweet, my radio show started, we're going to open on uh, Memphis's win over Wichita State. And the first reply would be like, you don't know what you're doing with Iowa. Here's their uh, KPI and beef and all this stuff. This guy would, and, and then finally one day, uh, he said something just – usually he was just being weird. But but then he suddenly said something that was just totally wrong. Like, And I could – it was one of those – you probably get these too. Like I can make this person look really stupid just by quote tweeting this and sending it out to the world. And so this guy went from tweeting me every day to I quote tweeted and made him look ridiculous. He blocked me. He blocked me. <laughs> I'm like, what are you? What are you blocking me for? Like, I care. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> you weirdo. You tweet me all day, every but day. But you remembered it. But you remembered it. 
I did remember mm-hmm. it. So uh, anyway, Luca Garza was great this year. I just think Obi Toppin was also great, and he was on, you know, a number one seed. Obi Toppin, uh, we both had the the same ballot. Obi Toppin, Yudo Kazabuki, Luca Garza. Okay, freshman of the year. Yep. I had Vernon Carey number one, so I, I had that one. I had Precious Achua number two, and I had Anthony Edwards number three. I had Vernon Carey Jr. number one, and it wasn't close for me. I had Onyeka Okonwu, number two. He was outstanding playing uh, in somewhat obscurity at USC. I think that he is, whenever we have an NBA draft, going to be a top 10 pick. And every time I watched Onyeka Okonwu, he looked more awesome and consistently amazing than any freshman I saw this season. Kerry was more valuable, consistently put up better numbers, but Okonwu became the must-watch freshman for me in college basketball. I had him over Edwards at three, and then I GP, I, I, Achua was, des- he was deserving of strong consideration. He did a tremendous job at what he did with Memphis, so it was a tight call for me, uh, but I had Achua and then Zeke Najee at Arizona. Really, they were um, three, four, and five were clustered for me, but I had Kerry, Akanu, Edwards. Yeah, um, Achua averages a double-double. He was the only freshman in the country to average a double-double. I obviously saw him more than most based on where I live. He was awesome. And I, he was awesome under weird circumstances. He came to Memphis to play the four next to James Wiseman. Instead, he ends up playing the five all year without James Wiseman. And I know that was frustrating for him. Like, he was not going to go to Memphis if not for the presence of James Wiseman. And then he would never thought he was going to play in the middle. And then, like, he ends up without James Wiseman playing the five. I know he was frustrated. On the court, he never really showed it. He was awesome, consistently awesome. And so... I thought he deserved to be on on that ballot. Coach of the year, let me be clear. I got no problem with Anthony Grant. Like the, 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 he, here we go. No, no, no. That's not even it's not even a here we go. Like if you vote Anthony, I'm just kidding, I, my man. I'm just kidding. I used to write that Politex column, and I would point out stupid things that people voted on. There's nothing stupid about voting Anthony Grant national player national coach of the year. But my ballot was Scott Drew number one, Anthony Grant number two, Mark Few number three. Okay, interesting. I had Anthony Grant one. I had Scott Drew, too, and I had Scott Drew, too, uh, by a narrow margin over Brian Dutcher at number three for San Diego State. Uh, Mark Few is certainly a coach that I would have considered for top five. I, I did consider him. He was he was among the, uh, among the coaches I considered. Uh, fact for down the road, Mark Few and his team won more games this season than anyone else in college basketball. Gonzaga finished with 31. San Diego State, East Tennessee State, and Liberty were your only other teams to get to 30 Ws this season. I went with Anthony Grant. And normally, I guess in most seasons, I wouldn't have my player of the year and coach of the year come from the same team. But I found Toppin had a Toppin didn't have statistically an absolutely overwhelming season, although he did have. Uh, we're gonna sat, we're gonna find out right now if you read the Player of the Year post. Trivia time. Okay. Obi Toppin, double trivia time. First of all, he led the country in dunks this season. Awesome. How many dunks do you think Obi Toppin had in 2019-2020? 73. <laughs> you are way under, my man. 107 for That's Toppin. What I meant. One hundred and seven uh, dunks for Toppin. If you break out the math, there, Dayton played thirty-one games, so one hundred and seven dunks divided by thirty-one games. Toppin was throwing it down three point four five one six one two nine zero three three two two five eight zero six times per game. Are you kidding me? Now and now, so in the past ten years, shouts to Bark Torvik because this is how I researched this. Only one other player has had more dunks in a season than Obi Toppin. Who do you think it is? Who had in, in how many in the past how many years? Past ten years. Past ten years. Hmm. So that's 2010 for to now. The answer is hey, let me, no, 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 I'm no, not no, gonna no, tell no. you. I'm just letting you know the answer is gettable. It might be easier than you think it is. Uh, but I don't want to give you give you too many hints. My answer is Marvin Bagley. That's not a terrible guess, but when I researched this, I don't even think that he would have come up in the top eight. Um, no. Uh, what if I told you that the answer is a current college basketball player or a player that played this season? The, pl- the answer is a player who played this season. So the answer is going to be... Mm-hmm. The answer is going to be... Give me a second. Just I'm it's not fine. looking it up. I'm you just do, looking I, at names. I, I know it's fine. Do 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 your deal. 
Do your deal. I believe the answer is going to be, is it Yudoka Azabuki? It is Yudoka Azabuki. How about that? So how about this with Doak? So he had 103 this season. So he was, I believe, Doak and Toppin are the only players, I believe, period, to have at least 100 dunks in a season the past 10 years. Um, Doak had 103 this season. Toppin had 107. And then Doak had 122 two seasons ago. 122. Now, he also had the benefit of playing in the NCAA tournament with a lot more games. Like, Toppin easily could have gotten to 122. It's actually impressive that he had as many as he did with a with only a regular season. Dayton never played in uh, in the postseason, and Dayton also the only team, just as a reminder, undefeated in regulation this season. So, um, anyway, the point I was making was uh, to- uh, Toppin, to me, because Dayton was projected on the one line, went undefeated in conference play, uh, he Doke had Dotson taking votes, proverbial votes away from him for me. If Dotson wasn't on the team, I probably and Doke had the same numbers, I probably would have picked Doke, but I, I gave it to Toppin. Uh, plus, like, how often do you have a player at a Dayton type school? If you could say Morrison at Gonzaga, I guess maybe, and it was, I guess maybe back then Gonzaga is kind of parallel, maybe a little bit to, to Dayton this season, but to give him player of the year nod, and then. Grant, when you consider really the statistical profile of the Flyers uh, since he got there and how they progressed this season, I truly thought as a coaching job on the whole, he did an outstanding job. And when uh, I reminded myself, oh, yeah, by the way, his team that he coached never lost in regulation this season, lost on a neutral in Kansas, top five game of the season, and then lost against a quality Colorado team uh, in overtime. Um, yeah, so that's, that's why it came down to Grant. But it was the coach one to me was the toughest of the three to vote for. I think that's true. The coach one was the toughest one to, to vote on because it, it could have reasonably been Anthony Grant, obviously. I think also Scott Drew. I think also, to reflect your ballot, Brian Dutcher. I think also Mark Few. Is there any other names we could have reasonably gotten onto that list? Um, other ones I considered, by nature of how strong they were, I did consider Bill Self. I considered Leonard Hamilton. This was, again, I, I just... Went like okay, who are the seven eight guys I really want to consider? I considered sure Leonard, both con- those guys yeah, definitely considered Leonard Hamilton, uh, considered uh, John Calipari because of what Quickly and Richards became and what they were able to do. Uh, I did have some consideration for them as well. And was there anyone? I I think I briefly thought about Turgeon, but maybe just a little bit too much wobble at the end, so there wasn't a strong consideration there. Same thing with Seton Hall and Willard. Even though they were projected to be really good, both those teams were projected to be really good, uh, just a little too much of a, of uncertainty down the stretch there. I think that was probably it. I'm not. No other coaches coming to mind that I strongly consider, but I knew for sure when I sat down and we only could give three, I was like, well, I know I know Grant's going to be on it, and I know Dutcher's going to be on it, because uh, they you know, obviously had such a strong season. Then when I really sat down, I was like, no, Drew... It's all those three coaches provided the best seasons in their respective programs' history. So that's ultimately what I came down to. Yeah, I think you could add uh, all the names you listed. Totally reasonable. You could add uh, Mark Pope at BYU. You could add uh, Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State. Um, You could maybe add Pat Chambers at Penn State. You could maybe add Steve Peichel at Rutgers. But ultimately, I think. The four names that show up on our two ballots should be the top four, um, and 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 you know you could throw Bill Self in there, into the top five. If I had to put a top five together, to me it'd be pretty clear cut: um, Anthony Grant, Scott Drew, Mark Few, Brian Dutcher, and Bill Self. That seems like a solid five for National Coach of the Year. Let's go to the All American teams. Our first team was as followed: Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Howard, Obi Toppin, Luca Garza. Yadoka Azabuki. That is exactly what my ballot looked like. Is that your ballot? It is exactly what my ballot looked like, and the only one that I wasn't certain was going to get there was Pritchard. I was, I, I, I didn't know if, if, if our collective voting body at CBS Sports um, would have had him on there, but yes, that was, uh, that was my five, and to me, uh, it was an easy top five. Now, D- Dotson actually ranked higher, as I'm sure you did, as I did. I looked at a, a number of different st- stuff, but Pomeroy, whose winning does not matter whatsoever, and, and the things that he takes into consideration, his algorithm when it comes to the K-Poy, the Ken Palm Player of the Year, it's not the same traditionally. But Dotson actually ranked higher than Azabuki. Um, so I was wondering if Dotson might find a way to squeak squeak on and maybe Pritchard wouldn't, but I was like, I cannot see two Kansas players getting onto the first team. So yes, but... Um, the, those five are the same. The second team. Well, uh, let me let me one thing about the first team. Okay. 
did this matter to you? Because I, I mean, clearly it didn't, and it didn't matter enough to me. Mm-hmm. But I typically want to have either two guards, two forwards in a center, or three guards, two forwards. I didn't like having two traditional centers in Luca Garza and Yudoka Azabuki. Um, but but because I I've always wanted. Listen, the team should be like a type of team you could put on the court. And I know you could play Garza and Azabuki. You'd figure it out you if you could, wanted yeah, to that's, do it. That, that's my thinking. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I didn't like having two quote-unquote centers. But once I decided Doke is definitely on it, and then it's like, well, how is Luca Garza not going to be a first-team All-American? Like you have to make both. I that's thought right. you had to make both of them a first-team All-American. Positions be damned. I, I, that's been, that's always been my approach to it. Like I'd never put, I would never put five guards or five forwards or four forwards in a center. But if I need to tweak it to like a center and four guards, two centers and three guards, like I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge stickler when it, uh, when it comes to that. My second team GP, I'm going to give well, you let's, my, let's, well, let's give the uh, official second team first. Okay. It's uh it's, it's Devon Dotson, Kansas, mm-hmm. Malachi Flynn, San Diego state, mm-hmm. Miles Powell, Seton hall, Philip Petrushev, Gonzaga, Vernon Carey, Duke, and that is exactly what my ballot said. That is not my ballot. So my second team has a player that did not make the list. So Vernon Carey Jr., Malachi Flynn, Devon Dotson, Miles Powell, all were on my second team. Uh, Petrushev was on my third team. He made our second team. This is a little bit of a wild card here, but I, having seen the team recently – and talk to players and coaches that had played him in addition played with him and against him um looking at his stat line uh i believe he's only the third player in the past like 25 plus years to average at least 13 points 10 rebounds three assists two blocks and two steals or something like that um and he's was comfortably number one in college basketball in season-long box plus minus I put Xavier Tillman, the best defensive player in the Big Ten and a, probably a top-five defensive player in college basketball, on my second team. I suspect not one other person put Tillman on any team, period. He did not make any of them. But while Winston, Cassius Winston, was the preseason player of the year, and he did really start to play well, him and Tillman both, they were almost stride for stride. I found Tillman to be the better player on the whole for the entire season for Michigan State than Winston. When you consider how amazing he was defensively, and if you checked out his numbers when he went up against really, really talented big men in the Big Ten, that's what set it over the top to me. I wanted a reward defense, so he was my 10th and final pick for the second team. But alas, he did not make that, and he did not make our third team. I did not have Xavier Tillman on my second team, obviously. I also did not have him on my third team. Uh, nothing crazy about having him. I just I just didn't. The uh, CBS Sports third team, All-Americans, Cassius Winston, Trey Jones, Emmanuel Quickly, Jalen Smith, Daniel Oturo. I did not have Quickly, Smith, or Oturo. And honestly, if really? I could go back and do it, if I, if I could do, go back and do it again, Kentucky fans, listen up. If I could go back and do it again, uh, because instead of quickly Smith or Aturo, I had Jared Butler, Jordan Wara, and Yoli Childs. If I could go back and do it again right now, I would take off Wara and put Emmanuel quickly on. You have to put quickly over Wara. Uh, Wara had a good season. I did consider him. I think like you know, see, so you got five, 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 five for a second, third team. I think Wara was like eighteen on my list overall. Um, Oturu was insane. Okay, 20 points, 11.3 rebounds. Dude averaged 2.5 blocks. A really good defender, really good rebounder. I know Minnesota stunk, but I wasn't voting for him in regards to, like, would he win player of the year. At this point, like, third-team All-American, he he and Tillman and, and Garza, just incredible big men in the Big Ten this season. So I was surprised he made the list. I thought, again, I thought I was like, I'm going to put Tillman or two on here and they're not going to make it. Um, so I was surprised and, and frankly relieved. The player that's on the third team, I guess we both didn't vote for him. I did not vote for Trey Jones. Did you? I... You did, right? I... Um, yeah, I did have Trey Jones. Okay, I did not have Trey Jones. My third team was Oturu, Petrushev, Jalen Smith, Cassius Winston, Emmanuel Quickly. The first person on that list was Petrusev, and then it was I went Petrusev, I went uh, Quickly, Smith, Winston, Oturu. Um, so the only player 
that I voted for that didn't make the list was Tillman. So you had Yoeli Childs, which is an inspired pick. Um, he wasn't – I had a, a list of basically 20 guys. I looked at this. He wasn't on it for me, but I don't disagree that he deserves strong consideration. Wara. And then who was your third one that you voted Jared for? Butler. To me – Best player on a one seat. Correct. So – Yes, and I did. Cons- I think Butler was like my number twenty guy, so I did consider. But I, I wa- there was a stretch where Butler, uh, like Macy Oteague got hurt, and before he did, like Macy Oteague was leading Baylor in scoring in Big Twelve play, so he was also really good. So I, he just wasn't quite enough there. But uh, but that's why we do these ballots, and it's interesting to find out who you voted for after the fact when all the voting is in. And we, as you can see, if you if you looked at the list and you were really satisfied or or were frustrated or whatever, understand that you've got uh, you know five, six, seven people voting on this, and so it's just a collective vote overall. And so what uh, one writer might think, another writer might not uh, agree with, and that's how we land here. But on the whole, when I looked at the All American teams when they came out, I thought. This is – I'm pretty good with it with what we had overall. Um, I love that Malachi Flynn made at least second team because he absolutely deserved it. Carey was the best freshman and really the only freshman deserving to make any of these teams, in my opinion, so that he deserved it there. And um, the third team, uh, to me, really speaks to how deep it was overall. And Gonzaga had a lot of guys, but uh, Petrosev really deserved that as well. So um, – yeah, so th- there we have it. A lot earlier than expected. Normally we do this stuff, you know, heading into the Final Four, but season's over. Wanted to uh, get that stuff to you over the weekend and dropped on Monday. And I guess the only teams, real quick, GP, so actually not the only teams. You've got Kansas, you've got Michigan State, and Duke, right? you got three teams with two players on that. Uh, and that's that wasn't the case in the preseason. I remember it uh, very vividly. Uh, no, Michigan only- State did not. Oh, not uh, sorry. I'm looking. That's right. <laughs> With mine, it did. Sorry, Tillman and Winston. So only Kansas and Duke, only Kansas and Duke, my B, um, had uh, repeat players. That wasn't the case in the preseason. The only team that had two players on our uh, combined first, second, third team was Kansas, and I did have Doke preseason first team All American. So I would have, I would have been right on that. We both would have been right on Howard, but that would have been it because Garza was not there. Toppin, not there. We had Toppin as like a top 40 player. Pritchard, we had like a top 30 player. Didn't have him that high. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. So so shouts to uh to Duke for pulling it off. Um, but otherwise, you had one player per team. Luca Garza wasn't even on our list of top 101 players in the preseason. That's correct. We actually had a few misses. Um, and I pointed that out, I think, in the final court report of the season. I just said, here are the five guys who've had the best seasons. Because I actually enjoy every like mid to late February. I We publish it, we talk about it, and then I kind of forget about it intentionally. Go back and look and say, where were we right? Where were we wrong? And uh, Garza, well, we, we, we didn't have him. I'll tell you right now. I, uh, we, did, we had Toppin. We had Doak. We did not have Garza. We had Marcus, obviously. We had Pritchard, yes. We had Carey. We had Tillman. We did not have Malachi Flynn, so that's two. We had Dotson. We had Powell. We had Oturu. Uh, I think we had Petrosev. I'm not 100% sure, but I think we did. We had da- Jalen Smith for sure. We had Winston, and I don't think we had quickly. I don't. I don't believe we did, and it speaks to him, the coaching staff developing him, and, and Kentucky overall that he uh, – that he got to where he was, certainly deserving. I'll be intrigued to see where he lands on NABC and uh, – or not NABC, AP, AP uh, All-Americans uh, coming forth, which I think are like a week and a half out or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, there you have it. Um, all right. I think that's enough. Yeah, man. I think that uh, – I think we kind of ran the game. Time to get there. back to fighting – Children. Well, my kids are my kids are asleep right now. I guess you can't you can't say the same. Dude, you you want to hear what my well here? See if you can hear. Can you hear the oh. madness downstairs? Oh yeah, I hear it. That's waiting for you, buddy. L- L- that is Lou. That's a that's a Lou cry. I can I'd recognize it anywhere. So I'm wondering what happened. Is he really hurt or is he just devastated by? Uh, Oliver stealing a toy from him. You never know. That's what. That's what I'm going. That's, that's that's where I'm headed. You know what? On second thought, anything else we can talk about? <laughs> you want to pull up that? You want to pull up that preseason top 101? Just go through yeah, it player by go, player. Let's go through it player by player. See if we can get another hour out of this. Yeah, to we, keep me from going downstairs. Yeah. I don't want to. I want to go back. 
I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> second. Uh, we had we had like seven dudes transfer out of Wichita State. You want to squeeze that into a 15-minute segment right now? But Landers Nolly is in the transfer <laughs> portal. We'll get to that next. But first, <laughs> check, check this, this out. out. <laughs> uh can't no, go down. I am. I am going to. Uh, I'm going to pull the ripcord, publish this podcast, and watch Sunday night's Curb Your Enthusiasm, and uh, maybe squeak in. I'm still trying to catch up on season two, uh, all of Succession. So that's my plan for the Monday night here, and of course we will rendezvous later this week. We'll see where our lives are at at the at that point, buddy. Uh, by the way, obviously it's a slow time in, in most sports right now, but it, it's still busy in the NFL thanks to free agency. So I'd encourage you all to go check out the Pick 6 NFL podcast, which has reactions to and analysis of all the biggest moves. It's a daily podcast, sometimes more than once a day. So if you get a chance, if you're bored, go join uh, Will Brinson and the guys for the latest on the NFL. It's the Pick 6 podcast, available wherever you find podcasts, including wherever you listen to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Meff and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnells. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments, and we will talk to you again later on this week. Till then, take care.